0: Okay, so this is going to be a more swashbuckling episode of, uh, of the pod. Uh, today I'm talking about Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Uh, what is the full? The full title is A Pragmatic Primer for Realistic Radicals. Um, written in 1971, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the last book he wrote before his death in 72. I, what did I, I probably first heard of Saul Alinsky, didn't they say that Obama uh, was his, whatever, study under him, or not a study under him, but, you know, was, uh, was one of his organizers. Uh, I think that was probably the first time I consciously came into contact with his name. And, um, and so this book has been on my radar for a while. I think, I feel like I saw people posting on Twitter about it. I think probably old Kant bot, I think he included it in a really interesting screenshot of different books and things um, recently. So I am actually this is the first one I've done outside. So I'm trying to get some sun while the rest of the family is uh, went to the grocery store. So we'll see how it goes. Um, But yeah. Uh, it was on my radar for a while. never really brought myself to get down to reading it until uh, listening to it until recently. And um, I came into it basically, I, 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 mean, I would like to not be characterized as, as blatant in one way or, or the other, politically, nobody wants to be characterized, but I, I definitely would be on the... Probably the side opposite to him, so it was kind of a uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer type of thing. Or you have you have to know the enemy. I think that's the you have to know the enemy, and, I, and somebody talks about like embracing the enemy or get up in their frame of reference. And um, yeah, so I think I I found I think this is something a book that everyone should uh, read and listen to. It's a, it's a good kind of um, history of the second half of the of the 20th century type of thing um and it's very much a kind of boots on the ground history um i don't know um i think i I audiobooked audiobooked the people's history a long time ago and now, you know, now it's very interesting. I mean, people's history is, is kind of almost seems like it's it's the it's the main history uh, now. Uh, but and it's also interesting about how I mean, this guy, I think, was incredibly he was incredibly successful. I mean, he was a real badass. He he I feel like he, you know, what does Bob Dylan say? You're successful if you get up every day and, and do what you want to do. I think he did that to the max, and um I think he's somebody worthy of study and um, yeah, anyhow, so okay, people just came home one second, okay, so yeah, where was I? Um, yeah it would be it would be great. To see um, him alive now, bring him back. Obviously, he whatever they say. If you, or if you, uh, whatever a conservative or a right winger or something is, someone who stands still for fifteen years because everything has moved. So, um, what he would say about the the current movements that are trying to affect change, and I guess I would say is that I don't think that the radicals that are trying to affect change now are following his precepts really at all um and it's also interesting so he so basically he starts off with saying a lot of things about the boomer generation and how they don't want this and they don't want that and a lot of those things kind of seem absurd now that we have seen actually how the boomer generation has aged and and where they've gone politically and um sorry that was grotesque I had to close that door um, where they've gone politically and and basically I, I forget who said it but like you know like they really they were not they were anti their parents and they were anti getting drafted but were they actually uh, incredibly left politically um, some of them probably but not but not maybe as many of them as, as maybe he would say anyhow chapter two my second note here is he rolls out attacks on the flag which why does he do that he does that because this guy is a freaking genius I mean I think I think he I think you could definitely call him a genius I don't know if there's anyone else that was doing what he was doing at his time to the degree that he was doing it the effectiveness that he was doing it um, and that you know he wants to win like the, the modern people they don't want to win they just want to be like I don't know what, they, they want to be outraged and they want to, I guess, try and push things as far to, in a certain direction so that maybe they can, they, they, whatever, they have a different tactic. Maybe they do want to win, but they want to win by, in a different way, or they have a long game that I don't know or appreciate, um, in, in the, that, I, that I can't appreciate, I don't know about, um... Let's see, my note is, no ham in a Jewish neighborhood, silence is a scent. Uh, so, you know, he was, whatever, that, that, that phrase has a long, I forget what my no ham in a Jewish neighborhood was about. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, obviously the silence is a scent. Yeah, that has a way back, that goes way back. Uh, and then he, and then he also says, you know, like, hey, wake up, people like uh i mean so it's funny i found myself you know obviously agreeing with him a lot as he's saying you know like you can't rebel and do these protests in moscow or peking uh is like have you the red guard have you seen the red guard revolution i think is what, what are you referencing something that must have gotten poorly um he was saying that uh I think he was saying something that was important for the country to do uh, was for admit that they got Vietnam wrong. I think mainly he was saying it. Sorry, I like I said, this is a little bit of a. Unorganized. I'm saying it's a buccaneering swashbuckling episode. With I think that's what he's saying that that would be a, maybe a dangerous thing for the left to do is if the right actually right, admitted that they got Vietnam wrong or maybe said it was something that the country needed to do, to move on, um, as a whole. But, uh, and then this is the other thing is he believed in a really broad coalitions. He's saying, organize around something agreed on, and and then after you've got everybody organized then sure you can go after other things um uh, and i guess it's very interesting he was a huge and this this would be the thing that i don't agree with him he was a huge relativist he was just everything is relative and, and changing too as far as uh, saul is concerned um which is which is quite stark, and I think that's that's where the real line is is drawing, is he really, um, he thought that being a relativist was the only way to be, and that anybody else was being unrealistic and untruthful and kind of just clinging to uh, the security of different rocks to, out of, I guess being a coward and that the only way is to really just embrace kind of change and, 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 and the waves and, and surf the waves, I guess. Um, just, he quoted Justice uh, Leonard Hand's uh, remark that a free man, a free man is ever-knowing, has an ever-knowing inner certainty that he is right. The mark of a free man is the inner knowing is the ever-knowing inner, sorry, the mark of a free man is the ever-knowing inner uncertainty, uncertainty that he is right. Um. He talks about how priests in Chicago would come up to him, and it was amazing how much he talked about how, he, how much he worked with priests and nuns, um, and actually my my dad was a he was. Um, he tried somehow he got rejected from the peace corps uh i forget why he couldn't get into the peace corps and he worked for i think it's called americorps now i forget what it was called vista it was called then he actually was a he was actually a social worker on the south side of chicago um he was a he was a real um he was a real. Um, he still is, is a, a big um, bleeding heart. I guess before he was, I don't know if he. he he's always but he's socially conservative. So, but he literally, um, yeah, he got he got threats on his life, because he was trying to do what he thought was good, and I I have no for all, for any of his flaws. He's he's almost I think one. Can't do, couldn't do anything that that was not good. But anyhow, um, yeah, the people in the black neighborhood did not like whatever the level of influence that he was having over the youth as a whitey, and he was told to get out of that, get out of that area of town, get out of that neighborhood, and so they had to transfer him to another area, I guess, because he was, he was, uh, I don't know, what, I don't know. What Talked to him a couple times about this, but yeah, so it's interesting. And so the, the thing that's also interesting. So now he is a diehard, uh, diehard Trumper because of because he's socially conservative. It's just very interesting how the you know he's a Democrat and uh, probably fiscally in in many ways. But he being a Republican and I guess maybe this is too much information. And now everyone will just you know whatever base my uh, political orientation. And, yeah, but whatever. That's that's fine, I guess. Um, but anyhow, so, but I I guess I I think it's I think it's interesting in this book because anyhow he was a person who thought it was a good thing to do with his life to volunteer on the south side of Chicago. <laughs> and um, and he is a diehard Trumper. And when I said on a family FaceTime that I was audio Saul Litsky's Rules for Radicals, he said, "Oh wow, terrific." Oh, that's great. So I thought, wow, it's so unfortunate that, um, that the Democratic Party didn't. I I mean I th- they didn't game plan well enough to like keep somebody who, you know, whose family they grew up completely Democrat and like, is it, I guess I guess it would have been hard to do, because obviously they they lost him over abortion, but um, and that's kind of a. I can do anything, but for some reason, you would think that there would be some way they could move back. Anyhow, so sorry if that was a horrible tangent, but um, but yeah, so uh, but yeah, so priests in Chicago would come up to Salinsky and say, you know, how do I really make change? How do I really make change? And he would say, well, do you want to be a priest or a bishop? And uh, they would say, and basically, he would say, like If you want to be a bishop, then you're not going to be able to make change. But if you, if you don't mind staying a priest your whole life, then yeah, you can definitely make change. And that was, and I think maybe he would extrapolate that to a lot of different areas. Um, and this is, I mean, this is the amazing thing is he talks about, so he references directly Upton Sinclair's jungle people with equality for all. And he says, those Poles and those Irish and those, whatever, Lithuanians, they are now part of our racist culture. And I thought that was that was pretty profound. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, he touches on notes. I, I don't know, I just put down TBA, Tennessee Valley Authority, I guess. I think he's talking about is that he wanted a new Tennessee Valley Authority to whatever that, that uplifted the whites or something, but not the blacks. Uh, he talks about the Tower Heights and uh, Javini Green and the slums there. Um, he basically breaks down the, the middle class and upper class and everything. He says, The middle class have a little and they want more. The political schizoids. So I think this is, you know, this is a lot of the whatever people would say, the. Maybe the suburban, suburban whites that didn't vote for Hillary. Maybe I don't know. Um. And that the 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 middle class will like your ends but object to your means, uh. And then he uses the that. Uh, the middle class embodies the Burke quote: "Evil happens when good men do nothing." Um so he would say he would say that you need to look at it does this particular end justify this particular means uh and so he says that it needs to be everything needs to be broken down into specifics and that there so there basically less, you know at least he, i mean he is a he is a relevant to this in everything except for being a relativist <laughs> Um, he says that Jefferson Jefferson you know he just had to go balls to the wall in the Declaration of Independence he ha- he couldn't say any of the good things that England did because he had to unify the people and that's basically what you have to do um, you know he, he uses he talks about Jefferson doing that he says that um, Churchill uh, that Churchill's makes favorable references that you know if you had to ally with the devil uh against Hitler or the soviet union that, that that's just what you had to do and 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 so he you know says that the whatever that they are these he's trying to hold up these people that everyone universally respects and loves at least back in the time when he was writing this um to say that basically that they were relativists it uh, talks about obviously the biggest one that everybody brings up Lincoln halting habeas corpus during the Civil War um now shoot i'll have to stop the recording cuz I, I i need to I definitely need to check this now um... okay so i am back at it so this is i think i started this in september 2020 and now it is February 2021, but um, just a myriad uh, different things kept me away. But I am determined to finish this episode on <sighs> Rules for Radicals because it is just such a great book. Uh, I think we left off with something around the poor. All the poor have is their bodies and their votes, um, and uh, and also the reason is, is I could never find a good time to record. So if there's Noises of a small person in the background. Uh, That's all I can. That's all I can. That's that's just going to happen. Anyhow, but it should sound better or different because I have a new mic and I actually have a, a, one of those guards for the plosives. Anyhow, um, I'll wrap this up quickly. This will be kind of just a kind of an end cap, but um, there's lots of good stuff in this book and I've been in the time since I've read it I've just been thinking about it more and more Um, but he talked about I think he talked about doing eating beans and then going to a symphony Uh, and uh, uh, they didn't actually do that they also proposed an O'Hare airport sit-in lots of different things I guess the other thing that I think people might look back on is very boomerish um Is that, you know, these kids at this Christian college that he like spoke at, or they came to ask him, you know, what can we do? We can't do anything. We can't drink. We can't have any fun. And I guess my question would be, like, why are you going to this Christian college then? (laughs) You know? Uh, But I guess maybe their parents were sending them there or something. So, anyhow, they did like a gum chewing protest where they were just, that was the only thing they could do. So they threw gum on all the sidewalks after they chewed it, which sounds really freaking annoying. Um, But, uh, I forget if we talked about it, there's a department store that wouldn't hire any black workers. And so you just had them do lots of COD orders, and they would all get dressed up in their Sunday best and all come to the store on uh, on Sunday and, and just flood the store and send the sh- staff everywhere. And, and then other people would leave the store and not shop. And anyhow, so they they did this like w- one weekend, and then they had leaked the plans for them to do it another weekend. Uh, And that they'd reserved uh, the buses and everything was ready to go. And then overnight, 186 jobs were open for blacks on the sale floor and in executive training for this department store. So, um, I mean, yeah, his methods worked. Um, um, Let's see here. Um, And aside from the, aside from the, whatever, marriage thing, I, th- I think he did seem... And, and just being a, a really devout relativist, he, he is principled in some other aspects of his life. Uh, he was he launched a Kodak proxy battle, which I kind of wonder, like, where are these proxy battles now? Or so he's basically saying, like, um, because say anybody that owned Kodak shares, give us your proxies uh, in order to demand... Uh, better treatment uh, for Kodak employees because there's no way that they could affect them because it basically had a monopoly. And so he's saying, oh, people aren't going to stop taking pictures, but you could say, okay, well, Queen of England, you own Kodak shares or just all of these different companies. Give us your proxy votes so that we can uh, have some control over the company. Anyhow, that was the first time that that had happened. And um, that's interesting, as obviously this is <laughs> the book has faded from me. My notes aren't really jogging much. Um, let's see, anything else interesting? Uh, he says that the white middle class is the key. Use your knowledge and kinship with them to organize. Don't demonize them. The poor need this huge ally. Uh, and, uh. <laughs> I don't know, my last note is just that today's 70 bu- 70s middle class feels more defeated than the poor um, so I wonder what uh, I wonder what the current middle class feels. Okay, so um yeah, uh cool alright, I think that I think that's it and um, I said I guess at the beginning this is a swashbuckling episode this is even more buccaneering than I could have even uh, dreamed, but um Uh, Yeah, I've got a backlog of books that I've listened to that I've, I've taken notes on that I'm excited to do episodes on. So hopefully I'll just pound those out. All right, thanks. Bye.